0: And welcome to Alone in the Boondocks. My name's Andrew.
1: And my name's Tyler.
0: And today, for the first time ever, we have a guest with us, uh, as I spoke about in the last episode, our friend Nate is with us. Nate is uh, in no way from a rural community at all. In fact, uh, Nate, I, 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 I don't think you ever lived in a rural community, correct?
2: Uh, first off, hey guys, how's it going? Oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's accurate. Uh, I grew up in the the suburbs around Philadelphia, and now I, I live in the city in, in Fishtown.
0: Okay. And and what Nate's going to talk to us about today is specifically some of the things that are going on in his particular neighborhood, Fishtown of of Philadelphia. Um, and and we just kind of want to play with that idea that that um, microcosms, small pocket communities, um, regardless of their size, if they are condensed and close-knit often experience similar things, rural or urban. Um, So, Nate, you just take it away and we're just gonna follow your lead here.
2: Sure, so the Fishtown is a neighborhood in Philadelphia, sort of located in the northeast part. It's not what one would call northeast Philadelphia, but it's northeast of Center City. And As of sort of the mid-2000s or so, it's sort of been a rapidly gentrifying uh, real estate boom, uh, commercial boom sort of area. Uh, People have, you know, essentially called it like Philadelphia's Brooklyn in a way. Okay. But prior to then, going back to like the 70s, Fishtown was a largely white... Irish-Catholic working-class neighborhood, and this is relevant, these sort of two demographics are sort of coming to a head, because uh, June 1st, I believe it was, uh, there was a reaction to the Black Lives Matter protests happening in Philly, a reaction to some of the looting that was going on in Philly of... Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. So, on June 1st, there was a group of about 100 uh, men armed with baseball bats, shovels, axes, all sort of congregating around this one corner in Fishtown, Philadelphia. And they were claiming that they were protecting the neighborhood from looters. And...
0: Can I just interrupt? Are these sure. just are these people I mean, do you believe them to be folks from Fishtown? Are they out of town? Or is this, Def- that, these, this these is that Irish Catholic
2: Yeah, this is the the more, you know, second third generation residents of Fishtown. Okay.
0: So like they they're they're declaring a, a quote unquote native status here to some yes. degree then.
2: Okay. Yes. And you know, despite their claim that they were just there to protect property and things like that, that is not what they're doing. They were shouting racial and homophobic slurs at just random passersby, by, assaulting random passersby, by, um, and all of this happening under basically the supervision of the police of the 26th District of Philadelphia. Did you um,
0: did you see any of this firsthand? Like, did you see the I groups? I did not.
2: I did not see any of this firsthand. I did watch uh, like live streams of it happening. Okay.
1: So, in like in perspective, how big is Fish Town? In like something that my small caveman brain can understand, like how many blocks would it be that would be considered Fish Town?
2: Um, in terms of blocks, I'm not really sure, but it's maybe like a one and a half square mile section of neighborhood. Okay. So like from a sort of I don't know why sorry. So th- this this occurred basically you know less than a mile away from my house. Mm-hmm. And one of the sort of larger more publicized incidents was a a uh, radio producer from WHYY being assaulted for filming the the crowd, the mob, as it were. Yeah. And um, despite tons of just video evidence of these people, you know, assaulting people, you know, threatening people with, with the bats they were holding, uh, only one arrest has been made. And that was the person who assaulted the WHYY producer. Um, the, the police, ch- uh, I think captain of the district, along with uh, the deputy uh, commissioner of the police in Philadelphia, uh, a few city council members, and the DA of the district had a public Zoom meeting a few weeks ago where they addressed some of the concerns of the community and the police basically said we were trying to get them to disperse, which I am not convinced of, and they said that they didn't make them disperse because it would not be tactically advantageous to do so. Which to some extent I understand. I think what they are saying is that it's easier to con- sort of keep the situation under control if it's all in one place. Sure. But um, I'm not really... Y-
0: yeah, I guess th- I, I struggle with the idea that they couldn't possibly get them to disperse. And uh, I mean, even th- it's it's out of comparison here, but uh, from friends of mine who were at the rallies in Harrisburg, um, police did not hesitate to pop tear gas yeah. and use rubber yeah. bullets.
2: The, um, this. This is in stark contrast to the reaction the police had to peaceful protesters on uh, 676, which is a major sort of highway in Philadelphia, where protesters were tear gassed, shot with rubber bullets, pepper sprayed. Is so that uh, where
1: was that the uh, the case? Right where the people were up against like the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, they were sort of
2: corralled into yeah. this median,
0: and then yeah.
1: And I also saw. One. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say got- I also saw one. I think on that same that same stretch of of uh, of road where. Um, a woman. A woman was sitting in the middle of the road, and a police officer came up and uncovered her face and, and maced her at point blank range yeah, as well. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was the same. So, I mean, have have the police received any challenge to that notion that they were incapable of keeping? Like, I, I, I guess I get that idea that it's easier. Like, if you have a violent element, if you can keep them. You know, semi-corralled or something like that. Then, then they're easier for you to watch. It, it just—I struggle with the idea that there was. I, I guess I shouldn't assume this is an all-white group, correct?
2: Uh, largely, yeah. Or,
0: or predominantly, um, that that they are legitimately inciting actual violence on video in many cases, um, and that is a group that is not worthy of police aggression, whereas. Scores of peaceful protesters in your neighborhood um, and neighborhoods across the country have suffered violence, um, lasting lifelong damage in many cases. Uh, that's not been something that. I mean, is that something that you saw them respond to in the form of a question? Like, was this meeting, was this Zoom meeting, a Q and A type thing, or?
2: Uh, it was very br- briefly, but uh, they they got one sort of caller in, but he was pretty confrontational, which I understand, and, like, he said, he asked that the captain, like, do Black Lives Matter, and the captain almost predictably said, like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, agents, uh. like, he, 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 ooh, it's, it strikes me as so bizarre that they can't even, like, pretend to share a sentiment. Right. They just have to respond with the All Lives Matter sort of slogan. It's, yeah. it's strange.
1: Yeah, but as a white person, you can show up to uh, the Capitol steps with an AR-15 because you don't want to wear uh, a mask to the grocery store. Right. But if you were if you were a person of color and you step out of your car with your left foot first instead of your right foot first, they're just going to gun you down.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the the, the the police captain said during the Zoom meeting that he didn't see anybody assault anyone except for one person who was shoved. But there's there's video of, you know, people being, you know, attacked. There's you know, a picture in the Inquirer of a guy I'll mention a little bit later uh, in mid-swing. That's someone who is basically prone on the ground. Jeez. And, you know, they were like, anyone who has any you know evidence come forward and show us but like you know you were standing right there it's it's a complete abdication of responsibility on their part in is, terms of
0: is and i'm sure i mean this might be something you get to later but is there any tangible evidence of a link between the vigilantes and the police i know that in our neighborhoods we've had uh police who have been either fired or put on yeah, or at least you know, received a very stern talking to for having um, white supremacist or three percenter uh, iconography on their personal vehicle or something like that. Is that Is there any link of any sort yes. there?
2: So, uh, an article in the online Philadelphia newspaper, Billy Penn, says that police were warning people that looters were coming, quote unquote.
0: Police were. What? Police yes. were warning people that looters were coming. Yeah. And like via Twitter or how are they getting that message out?
2: Uh I'm not sure.
1: They were using the car from the Blues Brothers with had the giant megaphone on the top of it. <laughs> the protesters are coming. The protesters no, are coming. Not protesters, looters. Sorry. The looters are coming. Yeah. The looters are coming.
0: That's that's very interesting cuz the story that we were told in organizing some of our demonstrations was that police were not able to stand with us because there was a, uh, a legitimate threat made against the lives of the police officers. So that's very interesting the way that messaging, similarly abdicating a responsibility to, to act, um, but how that can be flipped on its head and say that the threat is not to the, the, co- the community or the businesses, but instead to the law enforcement officers.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how exactly it was communicated, but this article, uh, two people are cited that the police informed people that there was going to be looting. So they were out there also. one The person who I mentioned is, you know, photographed as taking a swing at sort of a Black Lives Matter counter-protester who was across the street. Uh, I mean, I'll say his name because it's been published in the paper. Uh, Richie Goodwin has a brother who is a police officer in the 26th District.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty direct connection.
2: This, and... Uh, in another Philadelphia Inquirer article, uh, Richie Goodwin has quite the rap sheet, including having served time for murder. So... Oh. The, the, the the Yeah, these were the types of... There was another guy who had an arrest for basically running a forgery prescription slash Oxycontin ring.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Good, good old Richie Goodwin and the boys. Yeah. I, like, I'm trying
0: to construct a, uh, a mindset that might, you know, you've murdered someone, you've gone to prison, and let's argue that you've been rehabilitated. Sure. And then upon emerging from prison, uh. You hear that people are going to come, at, I mean, we're saying at worst, looting. So let's even take it up to, you know, potentially burning down the businesses that they do rob. Uh, that's something that with your past, you feel passionately enough that you should be out in the streets swinging punches. I I, I don't think that it's a, a, big, a big jump to say that that motivation is probably specifically more related to your own bigotry and not... Uh, a pursuit of some kind of, well, mob Protection justice. clause. Yeah, right, yeah, absolutely.
1: I have to protect everybody. Also, I just got out of prison six months ago for murdering somebody. What? I should definitely be here to test my patience. Yeah. Uh, that's what... Hang
2: on, I have to make a small... It wasn't murder, it was involuntary manslaughter. Put an asterisk oh. on that one there, yeah, Richie he Goodwin. He killed a guy in a bar fight, basically. Uh, well...
1: Oh, escalated I, violence. Yeah, I, oh, I should definitely be in a mob of people. I appreciate
0: your, your uh, striving for accuracy, but, uh. <laughs> you know. <sighs>
2: um, so another thing to mention about this, that this was occurring when the city of Philadelphia had a 6 p.m. curfew. And people in other parts of the city, protesters were being arrested minutes after the curfew. However, these, you know, vigilantes, quote unquote, were out hours, hours past. They were out, I think, to about nine o'clock when police convinced them to disperse.
0: And just, I mean, there were zero arrests except for this one assault. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So far.
0: And are they still, I mean, again, if this is something you're going to come to down the line, are they still active in the streets today? Like this is an ongoing?
2: Um, no. So the, the main guy who I'll say organized this is a guy named Justin Haskell. And if you want to subject yourself to it, his, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but his Facebook feed is, is, you know, speaking for itself. He has zero regret or remorse or even like, let me have, you know, a moment of reflection and was this a good idea. He's all in. He is... Saying he's going to run for mayor and has a Hmm. shirt with his name on it with a baseball bat printed on it.
0: This is like Bill the Butcher stuff. Like that that's exactly that was the 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 key component of the Know Nothing Party in the the draft riots in New York City. That you were going to support a person who was openly violent because they were protecting nativist interest.
2: But um Since he has been sort of identified as the organizer, he said on Facebook that he got some call from, like, somebody in Harrisburg, and he said that he's been identified or something as a target of arrest. And also, I believe he has some outstanding, like, drug case in in Bucks County or something like that. So I think he convinced everyone, or at least himself, not to go out and do this again where
1: he could get in some trouble. He has a drug charge, so he should just run for the mayor of D.C. It,
0: it is interesting that frequently, and I mean, I, again, maybe I'm making a leap here, and and they truly are uh, non-racially motivated <laughs> nativists, but even that just seems like an oxymoron statement to say. Uh, you know, consistently we see when they do rise... Like if we look at the Unite the Right rally years ago now, uh, as soon as things go south and someone gets hurt, you know the leaders are very quick. uh, If it starts to come back towards them, to disavow and distance themselves and say, "Oh, you know, I never wanted this. I didn't want you guys to do this." The same thing happened uh, with the Three Percenters uh, at the at the Unite the Right rally uh, after Heather Heyer was killed, and there were all sorts of other skirmishes in the streets. In fact, there was a video of a Three Percenter. Um, from Virginia, I want to say, like brutally beating uh, a man in a parking garage. As soon as that surfaced, oh, well, then the three percenters, they're not a militia movement. They're not racially motivated. They're not yada, yada, yada. And these groups, they continue to still operate and they, they continue to still advocate the way they do. But then they like publicly disavow the it's hard to call them values but the the values or the the underlying cause that they're clearly still championing um and that's what i mean i don't know what the three percenter uh presence has been like that you've seen nate but what we've seen in our area is three percenters who come out and again you know they're they're great patriots they're um they're there to protect people um But they come out... They're hypocrites. Well, yeah, absolutely they're hypocrites, because all they do is they come out and intentionally intimidate and provoke. Um, So it's just interesting. Again, um, I'm not going to be too heavy-handed with this whole look. There's a lot of similarities between urban neighborhoods and rural neighborhoods, but it just doesn't seem that, uh, you know, essential Nazis differ too much from one area to the other.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of the reason the comparison is why I wanted to talk about this, because... Uh, the group, sort of, they weren't calling themselves, even though they've been identified by other outlets, which I don't think this is exactly accurate. They weren't, like, Proud Boys, they weren't Three Percenters, they weren't, you know... Boogaloo? I don't even think they would have even called themselves, like, Alt-Right or Right-Wing or anything like that. But they did call themselves Original Fishtowners. Ooh. Like, the Original Fishtown, you know, people. Yeah. Which
1: you're gonna have a mob and your name's gonna be orri- the original Fish Towners? Come on, it's,
2: do you want to hear? On. You can do see? better than that. Because similar things are happening in South Philly. You want to hear even stupider name? Yeah. Yes, the please. The Gravy Seals. Oh. Uh, okay.
1: No, that's actually better. Honestly. That's got some originality to it. I'll take gravy seals over original what, fish towers. What
0: is, what is that in relation to, Nate? Like, what's that a reference to?
2: Because uh, you know how uh, Italians call sauce gravy?
0: Oh. Yeah. I, I watched I, The I, Sopranos, I
2: believe, yeah. I believe that's what, it, what it's Are a serious? to.
1: Wow. That sounds like a beer league softball team name, too. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> the gravy seals. Wow. But
2: uh, yeah, even in this uh, Zoom meeting with the commissioner, they said that there was you know arguments between the the vigilantes and counter protesters about who lived here long, who's lived here longer, who pays more taxes, who's whatever nth generation Fish Town, and this is like a persistent a thing I've seen in like Facebook groups for just the area like I'm in like a fish town like neighborhood Facebook group it's just whatever goes on is happening but every single time a vaguely political discussion will crop up something one question that is invariably asked is how long have you lived here and it's always by someone who's basically lived there all their lives or you know, most of their lives. And it's sort of that insular sort of community mindset that, you know, has been around this area since, like, the 70s.
0: I mean, and is, is that an affront necessarily to uh, people of color? Or is that an affront to any new folks who moved in on a wave of, of what you, what you call gentrification? It's a, little, it's
2: a little bit of both. Um, so in I read a lot of a lot of news articles and stuff about uh preparing for this in like Philadelphia magazine which is like a pretty casual Philadelphia lifestyle magazine they did this sort of long rundown of the history of Fishtown and there were a bunch of people who said like one side of the tracks which was you know I mean, this sort of area is bisected by the, uh, the L, the, the, the subway line. One side of the tracks was white, and one side of the tracks was African American and Hispanic people, and they didn't cross over. Like, people knew that you didn't go into each other's neighborhoods, and there's even people, you know, recalling times when a black family would move into the Fishtown area and got their house burned down. Jeez. In the seventies, yeah.
0: So I mean, so you, it's which side of those tracks do you live on?
2: Uh, we live on the, I mean, the other side of the tracks. Is not technically Fish Town. It's West Kensington or you know okay. North Philadelphia or something like that. But yeah, um, part of it is that, and part of it is yeah the the, the gentrification uh, aspect because this area has exploded in terms of property values and, you know, just sort of the commercial, uh, interest in it, uh, since mid two thousands.
0: And that's an interesting, that's a, that's an interesting thing that I think is, well, it's, there's a difference level and there's a similarity between our two communities where, um, you, uh, I would love to see property values in our neighborhoods go up. I would love to see them be reassessed with higher with higher, you know, um millage rates and things like that too because that ultimately would lead to our community uh increasing in population and with higher population comes better things in general. It's just a larger tax base even too if you want to make the argument from that standpoint. So it's interesting to hear that um and I won't say more often than not clearly you're not opposed to uh, outsiders moving into your neighborhood, as a you know, one-time outsider yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it's just interesting that that tide exists in both places, because um, we definitely have people in in our neighborhoods who, every time there's talk about a farm being sold and a housing development being built over top of it, they lose their minds. Like that that idea to them is blatantly offensive because somehow it will mean giving up, uh, you know, part of their. Hard established rural identity, um, and and also I think a lot of that comes back to the sentiment that more housing opportunities means you know potentially uh, more flight from cities and suburbs, and and that would mean oftentimes people of color too. And I I mean there is no there's there's much less effort. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that necessarily. In my experience, um, there's very little effort from anti-populationists to hide that they have racist motivations for not wanting new neighbors.
2: Another thing um, is sort of the the drug issues here. So prior, I mean, it's not definitely not gone, but this area is adjacent to Kensington and it's adjacent to North Philadelphia. And these neighborhoods were sort of ground zero, at least for the state in terms of, you know, crack in in the 80s and then now the the opioid crisis and oddly enough that did not sort of go by racial lines I mean it's it's sort of everyone I mean I said earlier that one guy was arrested for running a basically drug ring um it, it's sort of a an atypical story of like gentrification almost because gentrification always is sort of framed as uh, sort of, you know, African American or other minority groups being forced out. But this is white working class being forced out.
0: Yeah. And I mean that the drug problem, you said you see that you you don't see that on a specific racial basis or or, uh, Are the gentrifiers are the, are the, I don't, I I hate to keep using that term because I don't like that. That's generally thought of as such an aggressive thing. Um, Whereas oftentimes I think it comes out some, I shouldn't say oftentimes, sometimes it's a legitimate effort to restore a community, right? Um, Do do we see a lot of the, do you see a lot of the new folks coming into Fishtown being opioid abusers as well?
2: Uh, I would guess no. Okay.
0: Because I mean, like what what we ha- I mean, because I mean, rural Pennsylvania is heavily affected by the opioid crisis too. A lot of the folks who are moving to our communities are coming here because they have a habit already, and it's cheaper to live here, and thus you have more money than to buy um, what you need. Uh,
1: and it's very right, and the. And the opioid crisis i mean we've just seen really grow in the past five years but i don't know if you recall in our health class in ninth grade they showed us that 60 minutes bit yeah about heroin use in the county next to us yeah
0: because it was and at, that
1: was 15 years ago at this point right
0: and at that time that was the per capita highest use in the country or in the world do you remember
1: something like that
0: yeah it was bad um but I mean, it's quickly and and uh, you know, based even on my the you know the people I know and the people that my wife knows in the communities, um, a lot of it has been moving. It's interesting because it doesn't always start with prescriptions and go to heroin, and it doesn't always start with heroin and go to prescriptions. It it can kind of be uh, multi directional in that way, and and then when you add on top of that fentanyl and carfentanil as well. Um, the whole thing just gets gets much worse actually nate you i think it was you or maybe maybe your roommate who warned me when i visited you guys the first time in fishtown that if a person walks up to me and asks for the time that i shouldn't pull my phone out of my pocket specifically because
2: yeah yeah yeah. that's i mean sometimes people just want to know the time but
1: it's (laughs) hey sir could you tell me the time get away from me (laughs)
0: Sorry, I, de- I derailed you there.
1: So wait, what does it mean when they ask you for the time?
0: His implication was that if I pulled my phone out, that, that the person might snatch it. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that because we should be afraid of our neighbors
1: or anything like that. He's like, what time it is? is it? And then you just look at the sun and you just put your hand up. You're like, uh, 730. <laughs> ah, oh, dang, this guy still uses a sundial.
0: We're just going to switch uh, gears a little bit and talk a little bit more broadly about uh, demonstrations, protests, anything being out there in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, and I, I think, too, it's still important with everything evolving, considering COVID-19, for us to spend uh, our, a little bit of time in the COVID corner. Um and hopefully not fall too deep into any conspiracy theories this time around. Uh, but
1: you know we will because we always do. Well, but I, now that we're we're talking about uh, protests, there is another one at the same spot there was the last time we had one on Sunday, July twelfth. It's gonna so be it's gonna be great.
0: We will, it's gonna be great when we don't have to talk in code anymore. I yeah. feel like. How soon is that? I don't know. <laughs> I, really, I don't have a date for that. Um, yeah, so
1: we have another demonstration. <laughs> On August 14th, we will officially <laughs> stop talking in code.
0: We have another demonstration planned. Um, it's looking like we should see similar numbers. Nate, I'm sure it's it's... Uh, strange for you to hear about a protest being talked about and us consider it a success if we if we have two hundred bodies there, um, b- but uh, considering the population and the political persuasion of uh, our our communities, that's a that's really a pretty a pretty good showing. Um, last time, that's a hell of a number. Yeah, yeah. Last time, Tyler, do you remember how many like counter protesters we said we had? It was like ten or fifteen, maybe maybe not even yeah, 15 probably.
1: right probably a lot of yeah maybe maybe like 10 small dick boys um there just trying to cause trouble
0: <laughs> yeah and honestly that's uh surprisingly low to me so um leading up to our last demonstration there was a lot of um publication by people opposed to the cause um saying they were going to show up because we were bring in the anti-fa bus and we were going to you know throw molotov cocktails through church windows and all this other and stuff
1: all of our bricks all the bricks that all were left there for us the leading George up Soros to the event bricks.
0: yeah um and th- and they really spread that a lot and and they are not great at social media so i don't know that they know that they were posting all of that very publicly pretty easy for us to see um we knew we were posting our information about the event publicly because we wanted it to be easily spread. Um, since then, they have wised up, and most of those uh, most of those Twitter handles have gone dark, and those Facebook pages have become private. So I don't really know what to expect um, in terms of counter-protest for this next one. Their, their claim before was that, you know, again, they were there to protect, um, and if, if that's really what it was, they should have seen that we have no ill intent. Um, in fact, I, I guess,
1: yeah, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. I, I guess it's, um, you know, the nature of our demonstrations is, is probably slightly different from demonstrations in more populated areas. Um, again, like the ones in Harrisburg are specifically still protesting, um, abuses by the city police department. Um, we have little to no data on that in our small communities. What we do know firsthand and from talking to uh, black indigenous or people of color um, is that uh, they consistently are made to feel intimidated by out and out racists and just a system that is broken everywhere, but especially in rural areas Um I don't believe our school district had uh, an an ESL or an ELL classroom uh, twenty years ago, and that is not to say that there was not a large enough Latinx population to. Uh, I mean, you you're supposed to be offering it if you have one student who does not speak English as their their primary language, by state law. Um, but but there were no. Um, a while ago especially but even still there are no uh, facets s- systemically built and supported to make uh, non-white folks feel welcome here um, in fact I was, sim- I was recently contacted by um, a woman who runs a Central American restaurant because she wants to put together a forum of people from the right and the left to sit and talk and find common ground and while I think that is incredibly noble and incredibly Brave on her part, um, I I really struggle with the idea that there's going to be a really valuable conversation with some of the folks on the right. And I know that that's the you know all the all of the enlightened centrists say all the time. Oh, it's this division that we can never get anything done. Um, but I mean, I, I can read you chats that I've had with some of their thought leaders. Uh, when I was I I almost felt dirty after talking to them because I was so grossly civil despite intimations and and threats that they made um i i don't think that sitting down and talking to them is going to be super conducive but
1: yeah i can't imagine as mean as much as i would wholeheartedly want it to be like oh this is gonna be great i imagine it would divulge into not utter chaos pretty quickly but it wouldn't i don't think it would end great yeah. there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of right wingers leaving a little butt hurt yeah because they can't just be openly racist anymore.
0: Well, I don't know I might I, I'm not even necessarily saying it's them that'll lose their minds. I feel like I I, I posted something recently in support of Dr. Rachel Levine um, because we have a lot of folks in our communities who are um, disavowing what she says based on her misunderstanding of the science of gender. Um so because she's a transgender woman uh she has a a uh an inaccurate perception of science and reality. This is coming from people who don't believe in evolution uh people who don't believe in climate change, people who don't believe in speciation people, like uh and, and 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 also people who I've seen make jokes about gender studies and sociology
1: right here. let me give you my impression of somebody who doesn't understand well. Anything about Dr. Rachel Levine? <laughs> you lifts don't know if you're a boy, a girl, or a toaster, am I right? That's exactly what they well, say. Uh, I think they
0: normally do the attack helicopter thing instead of the toaster because they have one joke, and that's about it. Um, but but I, I I think it will be difficult for me to have a civil civil conversation in person if there's going to be a whole camp of people in this forum with me who want to throw red herrings that are clearly, you know, bigoted. So, uh, Nate, just as a point of interest, and maybe you don't know this and you don't need to go, you know, progressive versus conservative or Democrat versus Republican, but what is the, the? I mean, we all know that Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you know, it's the cities of Pennsylvania that ultimately save us and don't uh, thrust us into an irrevocably red state pit Um but, but your neighborhood, for instance, do you know what the makeup is in general politically or socially?
2: Um, I think it's, it's fairly Democratic leaning. Um, we actually, in the city council at large positions, we had pretty recently a number of third party uh, candidates be elected because a lot of our current Democrat Um, city council members were, uh, pretty corrupt. (laughs) And a lot of just shady, like, real estate dealings and weird embezzlement things. But, yeah, it's, overall, the neighborhood, I think, is pretty liberal.
1: Okay. Can you make that check out to my bank in, um, Key, in, uh, I almost said Barracuda. (laughs) In Bermuda, please. Please sign the check to my account in Bermuda.
0: Um... That's interesting, Nate, because I think that, I mean, and ultimately what I and a few others have been talking about a lot, um, we, we don't have large overarching city councils, clearly, because we, we don't have large cities. Um, What's a city? There are borough councils that, that have, you know, very limited power. Um, there are uh, township supervisor boards and things like that. But um, the biggest talk consistently in our area uh, concerns county commissioners and— um, our state representative in the the state assembly uh, who consistently um, runs unopposed Republican, no, no opposition at all. Um, And uh, for the last 40, 50 years has been held by a series of Republicans who seemingly just hold the door open for the next guy. He comes in and then the, the uh, sitting representative moves into a, a lobbying or a, a consulship position um, consistently making way more money than the salary of a, a PA state rep, curiously. Um, so corruption, uh, and that that's a thing that, I mean, I don't know if you experienced this as well, Tyler, but I feel like there was a lot of talk in high school from, as we've spoken before, certain biased teachers about, The political machines of Chicago and Philadelphia that turn out all of these, you know, uh, backroom dealing, you know, smoky whiskey-swilling Democrats, who, uh, you know, are are just out to, you know, praise Jimmy Hoffa or something like that.
1: Yeah, he's he's uh, isn't Jimmy Hoffa buried in the old Giant Stadium or something like Uh,
0: that? Oh, that I mean, that's one of the. I think that's a pretty a pretty Uh, prevailing theory.
2: Robert De Niro shot him in his head. Didn't you see the Irishman? <laughs> <In> the Irishman.
0: <laughs> yeah, what did he do with the body? He rolled him up in a carpet, didn't yeah. he? Yeah,
2: and then someone just whisked him away. Yeah. And then never, never saw him again.
0: My my great-grandfather swears that he saw the building of a dam in northern, northern Pennsylvania days after Jimmy Hoffa was killed, or disappeared, uh, and he saw them put a body into cement, which he didn't tell me the story until he was very old and kind of beyond it. But, uh, I was like, and you were like six. I was, so I was like, why didn't you tell someone? But, um, so yeah, uh, this next, this next demonstration coming up. Um, I expect that the response from a lot of folks in the community will be, um, it's July. Why are you still going on about this? Uh, uh, And a few episodes back, we talked about tangible accomplishments from nationwide, worldwide uh, demonstrations. Um, But those things have kind of stalled out at this point. Um, The two police officers who assaulted a man in Buffalo uh, got the equivalent of a slap on the wrist. only one officer who murdered Brianna Taylor has seen any repercussions, and it was simply being fired. there yeah, still,
1: he just got fired, I think. Yeah,
0: still no charges filed.
1: Um, and is probably still getting paid by the police department anyways. No, I think it was
0: true. F- I don't think it was administrative leave. I think he was fired. Fu- Did they actually fired. Yeah, I think it was actually getting fired.
1: Um, so that just means he'll just move to the next precinct over and then just do whatever he wants. Again.
0: Yeah, ultimately that's why police unions are so... I mean, police unions have greater membership rates than teachers' unions, and that's because uh, they kind of do the 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 shuffle that has become, you know, the Catholic Church is heavily criticized for it because you, you can have a priest offend in a, in a, a some well, you know, somewhere, and then in, in some cases be moved to an entirely different nation um, just so that that can be swept under the rug. Same thing happens with police who are found to be, uh, you know, abusing their position through any means, whether it's just being, a, you know, a dirty cop who's embezzling or or sweeping things under the rug or a person who is, you know, being caught being consistently outright violent. Um, for whatever reason, police don't seem subject to that same general criticism. That's, again, spe- I mean, I, I don't know what it would be like in a Catholic community. I live in a Protestant community. <laughs> you know, maybe there isn't as much criticism of the church there, but... Um,
1: it's just weird to me to think that you in a teacher's union, if you were to show up to school on Tuesday, some kid says, I'm not doing my homework and you punch the kid in the face. You're fired. You're probably going to prison. Yeah. A cop shows up to work on a Tuesday. Some guy talks back to him in the, in the wrong way and he murders them and he just gets to go work in the next town over. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's. I just don't. I, I don't hate police, and I think that that's a thing that that I, I get that there are people who do hate police. I do. I understand it, and I and I think that there are a lot of le- completely legitimate reactions to what we're seeing go on. Um, I have a good relationship with several police officers.
2: Uh, yeah, that that's one thing I wanted to ask. How? What has sort of the police presence been like at your protests?
0: Um, so, w- we've organized with the state police, they have what they call a heritage affairs division, which essentially is their um, It's like, it's kind of like an outreach. I mean, he's still a state trooper. He still carries a gun. He can still arrest you. He can still pull you over for, you know, swerving weirdly <laughs> or something. Um, hey, is that guy swerving? I'm pulling him <laughs> over. But uh, they were in complete support and I don't want to use his name, but I did speak to a corporal, um, and he was from, I think, honestly, closer to you, Nate. He was more in the um, Allentown area, I think, was where he was based out of. Um, which is not to say, you know, next door to you, but geographically closer to you than me. Um, he, co- he took the drive up to meet with a few of us who organized it and brought two other officers from other areas of the state who's, who worked in the same department. Um, and they you know, kind of, I won't say praised, but they spoke in total support of what we were doing. Um, the, the corporal himself, a man of color. Um, and then kind of on the tail of that conversation, you know, we said, well, are you going to be outstanding with us? You going to be sitting in a car. And they said that they would be, um, in the area watching from a distance. Um, so I did not see those officers again at any point during our demonstration, and we were standing at a four-way stop. So, the visibility was pretty good up and down each direction. Um,
1: we probably had at least ten to twelve state trooper drive-bys yes. during the four or five hours we were out there. Yeah,
0: and that was the that was uh, at the behest of um, a detective at the local barracks who I spoke to, who again, you know, spoke in full support. And simply said that he wanted to make sure that we were we were being protected. Um, when I asked him if people would be out with us, that is when I was told they could not stand with us in uniform because a viable threat had been made against police officers. And I, very alarmed, said, was this someone from our group? Like, is this someone in our organization? And to, to call us an organization is a stretch because it's truly a small group of people who are concerned and we share ideas and, and we want to see change. Um, or at least, what are you talking
1: about? We're Antifa,
0: right? No, I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm sorry. Get it right Um, on. he told me that it was not anyone in our group and he was like borderline, like apologetic. Like, I'm sorry that we can't be there. Um, but I, I said that I knew that, two groups specifically were planning to oppose us. One never showed up. There was a, there was a Q and theorist who was going to show up and debate us and I, I kid you not, I can't believe people still use the phrase because Ben Shapiro has so defamed it but he was going to show up and debate us with facts and logic He's
2: going to destroy, eviscerate yeah. un- utterly, all, <laughs> decimate all, you all caps. using facts and logic
0: yeah, the thumbnail is just one of us having a meltdown and him just like smugly grinning, um, he didn't show up, the claim was car trouble, whatever Um, the guy who did show up the three percenter and the, the many people who also were, you know, quote unquote militia. Um, anyway, my point being the police officer would not clarify for me, uh, what other party had made this viable threat though. It's not, I mean, if it's not us and it's probably not the Q kid, uh,
1: I, I think I think we've got our uh, group
0: yeah it might be the guy who came armed
1: which which is ironic because he probably will also be there in support of the back the blue rally on July 11th yeah. but he is also threatening police officers
0: yeah, I don't understand.
1: Hi, I'm a three percenter, and I'm a walking contradiction. Yeah,
0: it's the. It's the I mean, I, again, I think I've said it three times in this in this podcast on different occasions, but it's it's that mentality of flying the Gadsden flag next to the thin blue line flag. Like you so don't understand the ideologies that you are supposedly supporting. Uh, to fly the flag of a revolutionary who literally opened fire on. Um, you know, at that time, the established armed oppressor, right? And then also, like, like that would be like flying the Gadsden flag next to a Union Jack at that time. I, just, I I don't get it, but that's where we're at. Have you seen anything like that? Like what what Tyler just said about there's a back the blue rally planned. Have you seen any reactionary? Um, I don't know. I don't want to call it a counter protest because they're calling it uh, a rally. They have they have. Uh, Um, proponents there to give speeches about um, testimony from times that law enforcement was helpful to them or something. Um,
2: Well, I mean, that's sort of what the Fishtown uh, vigilantes were, you know, partially doing because it was outside like the 26th district district headquarters and even in one of the videos the, the one of the guys says the most ridiculous thing he says the cops can't defend themselves that's why we're what yeah
0: the cop like the militarily armed police can't defend themselves yeah i could be wrong but i haven't heard of a single police officer being killed in any of these you know Protests, demonstrations, the whole way up to riots. Am I wrong? Have you he- have you heard about any of that?
2: I I haven't, but I'm sure that somebody could dig up some news article about yeah a police officer getting trampled or something. Sure, but it's it's a little one sided on yeah on the police's favor in terms of who's getting beat up with these things. Yes. Yeah absolutely uh but also um in the sort of things in south philadelphia it's it's a large sort of uh we support police type mentality
0: is that is that i mean are those predominantly white neighborhoods
2: uh yeah south philadelphia is the sort of large italian neighborhood in philadelphia okay
1: is that the gravy seals territory yeah that's the yes that's that (laughs) that's gravy seals that's gravy seals turf (laughs) Oh boy! Is Northern Philadelphia do they call themselves the Marinara Men? No, no, because <laughs> they should.
0: I, 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 It is interesting because I don't, I don't. You know, if you're flying a flag in front of your house, there. I mean, flags. I think in general are kind of bummers. I don't love flags. I don't hate flags, but it's just it's a very assertive way of of pushing what you are interpreting as an absolute philosophy, but is very open to everyone's interpretation who sees it. Um, I, I saw someone post something like it's unfortunate today that it's rare to see an American flag flying in front of someone's house without a Trump flag, uh, you know, flying with it. And that is, that is this thing where I feel like so many of us who have been disgusted by the institutional injustice and racism, um, It doesn't make us less American. It doesn't make us want to try less to make things better. Um, But it does make us hesitant to pick up symbols that have been so heavily twisted. Um, So, I mean, that's only to say, you know, if you have a yellow ribbon tied around a tree in your yard, I don't mean, I I don't immediately interpret that as, oh, that person, you know, supports... Uh, you know, wars of foreign aggression or anything like that. I take that as, you know, very directly a support specifically for the troops. And I don't know necessarily that I would see a thin blue line flag under less tumultuous, tumultuous uh, situations and think that that meant that person was acting in a reactionary manner, I guess. I, I don't think it means that inherently. Um But at this point with everything going on for you to organize a rally, a back the blue rally, uh, you know exactly what you're doing. Like the, it is not hard to see in which direction you're, you're trying to push your pieces. Um, and so, I mean, like I, I've spoken to a few people who plan to be there to, uh, to protest it again, it's on private property, so they will be adjacent to it. Um, I've also spoken to people who are pretty far left who think that they want to go there to, you know, be kind of that olive branch to people on the right. Um, That being said, I did see the message that an organizer sent out that what you should expect was loud music, beer, American flags, and Trump 2020 flags. And you had me me at the first three, but then when you you threw... You had us in the first half, and then first three quarters. Even that's what I'm saying. And then, and then you throw in like that. It's just a glorified Trump rally, and and I mean, j- just today. And I, I mean to k- to kind of go on to the COVID note here slightly more. Uh, Trump just said today that, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but schools need to go back when they were supposed to go back. Period. Or he will cut federal funding. I'm simplifying this. That's the basic gist. If you work in a school, if you have children, and you have a vague understanding of what COVID-19 is, that should be very alarming to you. That he's telling districts that don't have the ability to properly mitigate what's going on, if you don't go back, we will cut your funding. Now, I, I've seen I've seen folks say, well, well, a lot of districts don't receive much federal funding. They're not reliant on federal funding. And that's true in affluent suburbs, but inner city schools and distant rural schools, like the one that I work at. In fact, this year specifically to make us get through, uh, some contract issues. A lot of the, um, COVID grant, the cares grant, uh, is being used specifically just to patch things up for, uh, wounds. The district has suffered from COVID already. Um, to say that that they must go back despite mitigation is to this is not a hard message to decode. He doesn't care about you. He does not care about your children. Um, and to continue to support him and fly his flags in concert with something that you claim is just support of the police, you are you are linking those two things. Your ideology in support of Trump at this point is purely this: you hate the other, and so does he. He doesn't need to help you. He just needs to hurt them. Um,
1: if it helps you, I, every time I see a Trump flag, either drive by it or see a sticker. If it's somebody I'm driving past, I always scout them very angrily. But if it's a flag, I just flip it off. Yeah. Just if nobody's. I'd just like, hey. And I drive by it. That? I also. The thing you were talking about the schools and the. About going back and stuff. I've seen a couple of the the crazies say that they're not sending their kids back to school because they don't think that the school needs to be disinfected and they don't think their students should have to sit every other or have to ride a, a bus a different way because of this disease. Yeah. Not because I'm sorry, virus, but not because the virus is real just because they don't think their kids should have to abide by these rules. And f- I mean, frankly, great. <laughs> it, yeah. It- it's like, cyber school sounds great. I'm like, sure does. Take your shitty kid and leave it at home. Um.
2: Yeah, another sort of aspect of the educational thing. Um, Trump's new order that international students who are taking courses online can't stand the country. And the institution that I work at has hundreds, if not thousands, of of international students probably some of which who work in my lab. I mean we've already lost one lab member due to stricter, you know, immigration policies and we're probably going to lose more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw that Harvard is actually suing him uh, over that yeah. decision. Um
2: I mean I guess I'll, I'll say I work at Penn, yeah. like half the city works at Penn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, in this email, I just got, additionally, Penn will be joining with our Ivy League peers in filing an amicus brief in support of a lawsuit filed yesterday by Harvard and MIT to block enforcement of the government's order.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I just, I, at this point, and I mean, I, I don't know where I would have drawn the line in the sand. I feel like even during the campaign, it was it's pretty hard to watch the way the man operates and um, offer the defense of his supporters of of ignorance, like they're innocent because they're ignorant to who he is or what he represents. But uh,
1: that's bullshit. At this point, it's been four yeah, years.
0: Yeah, at this point, if you if you have a Trump flag flying in front of your house, it, it's no longer naivete and uh, you know, oh, I'm pro life. It's not that anymore. You are...
1: I'll just come out and say it. You won't say it because you're really nice and a much better person than I am. But if you have a Trump flag flying outside of your house, you just suck. You suck all around.
0: Yeah. It's it's a cult mentality. And it's, I I mean, it's going to be studied as such. If we if we get out of this time period, if we, if we are able to remove ourselves from this chapter of history, um, this is going to be... Like, all all of these documentaries that are out there about specifically cult mentalities and deprogramming people, this administration and its supporters are going to be looked at. Uh,
1: Netflix needs to get the rights right away, because it's going to be... I'm sure that... This is a a 12-episode docuseries on Netflix.
0: You're going to see every major streaming uh, streaming service and uh, studio begin... Doing their
1: own, like there, they This is—it's is, like the Firefest documentaries that Netflix and Hulu put out at the same time. They just had slightly different names. Yeah, and yet this it look, was literally the same story with the same people. And and this
0: is still a bigger disaster than Firefest. So yeah. Um.
2: So here, here's so yeah. a, an odd question: Do you think if Trump loses, do you think he runs again?
0: I don't know. And I mean, the, the Supreme Court decision that came down today allowing New York prosecutors access to his oh, tax yeah, returns.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, he might be in jail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes makes me pretty confident that as soon as the man is not occupying office, he's going to he's going to be uh, in prison. And I can't wait to see that. Um, but Hopefully
1: coronavirus is over by then. Hopefully we've got a handle on this thing because we're having a party the day he goes to prison. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know, Nate. I think that. I think that the ego is so hard to predict. I mean, he's he is a malignant narcissist who, if he thought he could get away with it, which at this point all evidence supports that he could because, you know, the Republicans refuse to stop anything he does, if he could install himself as king, he would. Um, so if if he...
2: Well, oddly enough, that Supreme Court decision went, what, 7-2? Yeah. With Kavanaugh and Gorsch uh, siding with... With the uh, majority?
0: I saw that Kavanaugh did. I did not know that Gorsuch was on that side.
2: I, th- I think he was. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. Because well, that always also leads to it's never happened before that a president after leaving office is found to be a, a blatant criminal in every sense of the word. Um, so what happens to the two Supreme Court justices that he did install? I mean, if we're... If you you know what I mean? It, almost, it seems strange that you would look back at a presidency and say that was clearly fraud from beginning to end. Why would we still allow that president's voice to echo, you know, for decades after? Um, right.
1: Really, the minute the man goes to jail, they should just be dropped off the Supreme Court and somebody else should be reelected.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that works constitutionally, though. That's my only
1: are we even following the constitution at this point? <laughs> vaguely? <laughs> I have to wear a mask to a grocery store. Are we even following the yeah. constitution at this point?
0: So Nate, I, I guess, I mean, and this is a thing that you, I mean, I could, I haven't thought about that before, but I think that if he feels like there's still enough of his cult intact and he's physically able to, you know, because either he didn't completely devolve into dementia or, or go to prison, then yeah, I'd say he tries to run again. Um, but I could also see him trying to run, and by that point, if he's too toxic, the Republican Party would just try to primary him with maybe Pence, I don't know. Um, I, I think that they're going to learn that they're going to need to court some more moderates, so they might run a female candidate or a young, attractive male candidate. I don't know. I don't know. The, the uh, Ultimately... I want t- to believe that the mindset is dying off that supports strong men, authoritarians like Trump. Um, but y- even amongst, y-
1: I feel like it, I feel like it grows stronger each day. Every day, I'm like, "Oh, it can't be as bad as it was the day before." It gets worse. I see something crazier.
0: But I, I mean, just. Just by point of fact, like, do you th- do you think legitimately that he has gained more supporters during his presidency than he has lost?
2: I no, do not think he's gained more. Right?
1: No. If I would say he's definitely lost, or it stayed maybe closer to the same, but I can't say that, that he's making any new followers. In yeah. This way. I would be interested. I, yeah, I
2: think I think a lot of people are just kind of tired of the constant sort of just chaos. Yeah.
0: Well, I know that a lot of industries that really felt like they were going to be supported by a Trump presidency, uh, farming and manufacturing specifically, are seeing this is backfiring enormously. If you had a small family farm, the Trump presidency was not for you. Yeah. The Trump presidency supported large corporate farms. If you worked in, I mean, we just, just July 1st, um, um, yeah, what's it called? The new NAFTA. USMCA. The USMCA went into place on July first, and uh, one of the one of the parameters of it was that forty uh, percent, and I, I could have my numbers wrong here. I'm I'm, I'm sure of the pay grade. Forty percent of all manufact- uh, um auto manufacturers had to be paying sixteen dollar an hour wages, and the theor- like whether he truly believed it or not, I don't know. The the theory behind that was that that would, in Trump world, drive auto manufacturers from Mexico, where a $16 wage is unheard of, to the U.S., where much more common. Um, In reality, what that did was caused some auto manufacturers to move to Mexico and still pay $16 wages because do you know what you get for $16 wages in Mexico? Really, really happy employees who do a great job. Um, so, I mean, and that's just one small example. I'm sure we'll see more as the USMCA continues to, uh, do literally nothing in terms of improving trade relations. Um, but I mean, that's what we've seen across the board in terms of, I mean, that he said he was going to bring coal back. Coal has continued to trend downward. Um, you can't really base an economy on extraction of a, a resource that takes millions of years to uh to reform uh so trump
1: definitely thinks coal reforms overnight yeah i he's like he's like you get it you get it on thursday it's back on friday you get it friday it's back on saturday beautiful beautiful clean coal it's coal roll coal that's what they say in certain parts of the area roll coal yeah
0: um so i i i I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, do you think he runs again?
1: I think he runs again. Really? I, think I think he
2: definitely still holds rallies. Okay. I don't know that he officially runs.
0: I had heard early, early in 2017, I want to say that the, the whole plan was initially for him to lose. Right. And then that, that he was going to start Trump TV, uh, essentially, um, and that there have been talks with uh, studios with Eric and Don Jr. about getting that moving as soon as the Trump presidency is over. So, I mean, and if I mean, if you believe uh, Howard Stern is not a person who I would ever, you know, uh, hang too many medals around the neck of, or really uh, endorse as a. a um, a valid objective source. But his claim also is that Trump did not intend to win the presidency, but instead it was, uh, um, it was intended to drive up ratings for the apprentice and to get him more money. He was apparently asking NBC to pay him more money. They wouldn't do it. And uh, the, the ratings of the apprentice were trending downward. So he thought if I run for president, that brings attention back to me, ratings go up and I can further justify a pay raise with NBC. But man, Man, what a country if we elected one of the worst presidents in history simply because he was trying to generate publicity to motivate uh, a pay raise.
1: As much as I don't want to make the the similarities because I love one of these things and I don't love the other, Donald Trump is such a pro wrestling president. Like like here, like I instantly booked him losing the election this year and then getting reelected in 4 years as a wrestling angle. Like he comes back in 4 years ago, 4 years later as the the baby face of the country saying make America great again. 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 <laughs> and then he he just has this great baby face run in the country. But really he's just the ultimate heel.
0: Yeah. Uh, I hope you're wrong.
1: Fuck. I, I hate I hate that I compared Donald Trump to pro wrestling.
0: I I'm not loaded with faith in Joe Biden, um, but I really hope I really hope he does a good enough job to not make people feel like we need to put Trump back in office after getting rid of him. Um, I did see Bernie Sanders put out some stuff today, saying about how how much he has been included in developing uh, uh, a platform for Joe Biden, and the the statement that I read was. Joe Biden will be the most progressive president since FDR. Uh, that's if true. That's pretty good. I'm okay. Yeah,
1: let's uh, let's hope this happens. Biden gets elected, but is actually just the face of Bernie Sanders, and Bernie Sanders just runs the country. He just lets Biden be the poster boy.
2: Yeah. I don't... We'll see. <laughs> I, yeah, I think Biden's <laughs> people know that he just can't sort of stand by himself and that's not like a an old person joke but he, he can't just <laughs> you gotta have a lot of people around joe biden making joe biden look good yeah. for any sort of success to come from his campaign yeah
0: and that i mean honestly that's what I, i'm a little bit fearful of i mean all the talk around his vp pick has been kamala harris kamala harris i mean luckily it's not going to be amy klobuchar but kamala harris is not a progressive. Uh, Kamala Harris does not have a progressive prosecutorial record. Um she's a woman of color, which Biden said he would pick, but and it, it would never happen, but in my fever dreams I'd rather see him pick Nina Turner or something like that. That would be amazing if he would pick a Nina Turner candidate. That won't happen. Um there's also talk about um oh I should know her name. I believe she's from Florida. She was a um she was a an airman in the air force, she flew a helicopter. Um. I should have more on. <laughs> I should have more than that to say about it, but uh, her her policy sounded pretty good. Um, you know, specifically better than Kamala. So. Anyway. Um, any final thoughts for you guys before we give recommendations?
1: I think we. I think we. I'm I'm good on my end.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Nate, do you want to offer our first ever guest recommendation?
1: Uh sure. This is just recommend whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever. Like any media or books or anything else out there that you feel like Um, I'll say this.
1: Drew always recommends really smart, eloquent books, and I always just recommend the dumbest shit. No, I didn't I recommended not
0: to say it's dumb, I recommended RTJ four two weeks ago.
1: I mean that should uh, be that should be an underlying recommendation every week. Yeah, yeah. We always I'll, recommend. I'll do that.
2: Uh, an accessible one and a somewhat less accessible one. Okay. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers' new album, uh, *Punisher*, is is very good. Okay. And I'll also recommend the video game *Disco Elysium*. Disco Elysium. Yeah, Dis- *Disco Elysium*. It's I mean, we could talk about, that for a whole podcast, <laughs> talk about that for a whole podcast, but I don't know who'd want to listen to it. It's 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 really an interesting RPG. Um, it's extremely, I'll say, political. It's got the sort of most interesting world building I've seen in a video game in a long time.
0: Is it, where is it, a, like, is it PC? Oh, you can,
2: it? it's on PC. Okay. Yeah, you can get it on Steam. Okay or wherever you buy video games. Okay. GameStop. no, not only buys video games, but... <laughs> I get I get my yeah, games solely at GameStop. I don't know if you, can you even buy video games at GameStop anymore. I thought you just no, try just, to watch just weird figures.
1: Yeah, weird Fortnite hoodies, um, plush Fortnite dolls, Amoebas. Fortnite in Fortnite in-game currency or whatever it is. Uh
0: my recommendation is a YouTube channel, um, by a guy named Emmanuel Acho. He has begun putting out a series called, uh, uncomfortable conversations with a black man and they are, uh, I don't want to say difficult. It's, it's difficult to watch as a white person only because, um, it's very revealing. I mean, uh, Nate I'm not trying to call things out here But you as not a white person I, I'm, I'm sure that in our relationship you've seen me Do things that I thought were
2: Oh god have we mentioned that yet?
1: <laughs> that, oh, that you're not white? No. Oh no we, we spilled the beans at the last The last few minutes Don't tell anybody god. <laughs>
0: um, But I mean he he does a good job At highlighting things and not in an aggressive way I mean you, you, white folks We need to be challenged here to some degree Um uh, but he doesn't offer it in an aggressive way. But he highlights how many things that that white, uh, you know, white people who either believe themselves to be colorblind, which we know is problematic in and of itself, or even white folks who believe themselves to be allies, they can do things that they think are benign, but oftentimes have, you know, legitimately hurtful racist repercussions or implications to them. So. Um, it's a great series. The first one, he has like the introduction, the and then the the first episode, he sits down with Matthew McConaughey.
1: um Did you say he talks to, has uncomfortable conversations with black people? He, no, he is the black man. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I misconstru- I misconstrued that. I was like, wait. <laughs> I the last time I checked, Matthew McConaughey, white. Yes. Yes. Very. St- still white, I think.
0: Yeah. That hasn't changed. What's your recommendation, Tyler?
1: Uh, it's pretty simple. It's the same thing that I was listening to last week. It's called uh, Wear a Fucking Mask. When you go out in public, don't be a, a douche.
0: Where can we find that?
1: Uh, oh, it's on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, cool.
0: Um, thanks to Kayla Little for our thumbnail art. I still love it.
1: Yeah, I do too. Do you want I know I was supposed to go into something else there, but I just you know. If it's okay with often. you,
0: we're still doing the podcast. If you want to go ahead and say words, I stopped
1: doing the podcast forty-five minutes ago. I'm just uh, I put a cardboard cutout in front of myself. But uh, we're also going to thank Josh Angle at Native Studios for um, helping clean up everything that we butcher during this. And I didn't have any audio issues this week, so Woo. this might take him way less time to produce.
0: And thanks especially to Nate for joining us. I really appreciate it, man
2: oh no problem
1: yeah
0: it was a good time this was good yeah we should uh if if it uh seems like something that you'd be into doing again we should we should do it again sometime that'd be great so
1: yeah sure
2: definitely
0: cool
1: and then maybe once the once people get their shit together and put masks on and we uh get this whole virus out we can all hang out together again you mean like in person in person wow we can like high five and shake hands You mean like
0: people would get to meet my daughter Who like I think most people think I'm just lying About the existence of at this point uh,
1: They're like wow these, these two people bought a really Lifelike baby <laughs> and are just Promoting that as a real kid
0: Anyway my name is Andrew My name's Tyler And we are alone in the boondocks And we're still
1: Maybe a little bit closer to alchemy this week
2: But still not there
1: Not there at all